0: Welcome to the Spiritual Boss Podcast with Melanie Dawn and Tanya Ryan. Let me start my origin story with that I don't like intros. (laughs) Typically, Tanya will always do the intro. You'll notice that on the episodes. If I do do the intro, it's because I haven't said that I don't like intros yet. But for the last little bit, I have not done an intro. So that's one of the first things that you'll get to learn about me in this origin story. And if you haven't recognized my voice yet or are listening for the first time, my name is Melanie Dawn and I am one half of the Spiritual Boss podcast. Um, I'd like to start a little bit with where the Spiritual Boss podcast even came from and uh, how I got here. So that's part of my origin story. The Spiritual Boss Podcast is a brainchild of Tanya Ryan, and um, without Tanya, my life would not look like what it does. (laughs) She's actually been more than she knows a driving force in who I am and what I do, because she is so much fire. And, uh, she she is multiple Scorpios. I've seen this in her chart. Um, So fear Tanya. (laughs) But uh, she's multiple Scorpios, but I'm also a Scorpio rising. And so I think through that lens, we can see each other so well. And I've just... Always had an incredible respect for her and was very honored when she chose to be my friend. And anyone who is my friend knows that they put in work to get here because I just, uh, I'm a lot of work. (laughs) I'm a lot of work. It's a lot of asking for dates. And I always say yes, of course, but uh, there's, this is something in me. I um, always don't feel worthy, I guess, as part of my origin story. Um, lots of wounds with past relationships, whether I screwed them up or, um, got screwed over in the end, but there's a significant wound for relationships for me. And, um, it makes me have a belief that if I ask someone to do something, the answer is always going to be no, but if I wait for them to ask me to do something, it will be perfect. So if you have worked hard at being my friend, know that that's the underlying cause and, as always, I am trying to work on that belief system, but that's kind of one of the stragglers that is hanging around. Anyways, back to the spiritual boss podcast. Tanya had a brainchild where um, we were actually uh, once upon a time, a trio. It was me, Tanya Ryan, Jen Anderson. And it first started out as kind of like a, all of a sudden a, a surprise, either email or text thread. I can't remember how it came through, but Tanya wanted me and Jen to both know that we should meet and that But she was looking for motivation because this is this is why I love Tanya so much is that if something is broken, she is set to fix it instead of like where I'm like, "Mm, I'll think about working on that tomorrow, Um, which is almost what happened with this podcast. I almost said, oh, I don't have time. But procrastination is a superpower sometimes. So she decided that she wanted this year to look different or or something along those lines. I can't remember. Our group was meant to be motivational in some way or inspirational in some way. She chose people that um, she wanted to learn from. And I was incredibly shocked, one, (laughs) and uh, number two, honored to be part of that group and was definitely intrigued to know Jen because Tanya thought so highly of her. And I think so highly of Tanya. And after our first meeting, it might've been one or two, actually, I have a really poor, I have a great memory and a poor memory at the same time. Those of you who are like me, you'll understand completely, but, um, it was either after one or two meetings right before COVID, we had all convened at Tanya's house and had just this incredible conversation, deep, um, conversations that we weren't having elsewhere. And, as we were leaving, we were saying, wouldn't it be lovely if people could hear that that these kind of conversations exist because they do. And if you haven't been in them yet, it's really hard to imagine that they exist out there, but somewhere inside of you, you know, you want this. And we wanted to make that almost like inviting people into uh, the living room with us and being able to know that these conversations existed. And so we decided to start a podcast and then uh, I think we got one live recording in and then COVID hit. So then we went online and that's kind of where we stayed. We've actually never recorded in person again. But um, also if you've been listening to the past few episodes, the audio has been a little bit jacked. I'm going to work on that. The internet here is not always predictable, but know that we are working on it. And so, Spiritual Boss Podcast is actually a, a little bit of a, a paradox to where my origin story begins. And that's that said, I was afraid to be seen, completely afraid of my own voice. Um, growing up, my voice and tone, um, depending, it's a coping mechanism, definitely defensive, but m- my voice and tone can cut uh, diamonds. Uh, it absolutely is one of my most powerful tools. Uh, has kept me safe from what I consider judgment, kept me safe from further conflict. I've, I've used it to kind of like squash things uh, quickly. It's definitely worked in my favor in that way. But another way that it has h- hindered me or injured me is that it closes off connection instantaneously. Um, there is no uh, way around it and... I have battled with that my whole life and it's something that I constantly work on and something that I uh, definitely try to keep in check. So my voice has always been something that I feel like I couldn't trust or shouldn't trust. I think that it has been, um, I used to have if you know anything about energy and chakras. Um when we are in resistance to our voice, we'll often have coughing or throat clearing. Um, For me, it was a like almost I, I I used to smoke a long, long time ago when I was stupid. And then I stopped. So I was probably 20, 20 years old, 19 years old when I stopped. And so 10 years go by and I'm still having that sort of phlegmy cough. It had nothing to do with what I was had, had put in my lungs. It was everything to do with the fact that I feared my own voice. And that if I used my own voice, it would embarrass me or um, in some way I would be rejected. So I constantly battled this uphill uh, climb with my voice. I... Um, wanted to sing, uh like probably why I fangirl Tanya so hard. But um when I was young, I actually think I had a pretty good voice and I wanted to sing and and that was what my mom, my mom always tried to back my dreams and I'm a Pisces. So I had lots of those and then I lacked commitment. So we, we did many changes through things and um, naturally my teenage self would be like, I blame her for letting me quit. And it's like, actually, that was your path all along and I needed to figure it out. But <laughs> I digress back into the story. My voice. Um, sang in front of a group of people. Of course, the uh, throat let me down, and I can't remember. It was some kind of crack during, um, I think it was Silent Night. It was a Christmas concert, and I was never to return to the stage again, (laughs) not willingly anyways, and not without uh, without ever trying for sure. But um, the, the voice in me have had a long and bumpy road. When I stopped my when I stopped, when I became a yoga teacher, um, graduate, the 200 hour graduate, I was mentored by Jerusha and Jerusha was exactly who I needed her to be. She was so different than me. Um, she took up a lot of energetic space and didn't care. And for me, I was always trying to make myself small and take up as little space as possible through people pleasing and, um, lots of laughter, lots of saying, I'm sorry. Um, all just things that said that I could easily be pushed around. So Jerusha in the way that she held space and was so grounded, like her energy was just like straight up mountain energy. You, she would she wouldn't let you fly away like uh, you, every time i would go to like say well that's kind of just me or cuz she said what is that voice <laughs> And I was like, what voice? She's like, the voice when you teach. She's like, it's like a yoga teacher voice. And I couldn't believe that she thought that I should use my real voice. I thought every yoga teacher had this yoga teacher voice that they went in and it was like their stage name. They they got up. And of course, I go by Melanie Dawn. So um, I like the dramatics in life. But anyways, so I, I was having this voice that I thought everyone had. And when she called me out on it, I was like shocked. (laughs) I was shocked that this was even a thing. I couldn't believe that that was what, um, my, my feedback was. And then she said her and Laura Pollock as well, the manager, they both were lovely to me. They said to me, and I remember this specifically, give me directions to your house. And I was like in my head thinking, do I use my yoga teacher voice just to like put this to rest? (laughs) Or do I give them directions like I would with this regular voice? So I gave them, I decided to do to not let it rest. And I gave them directions from my regular voice. And they said, that's your voice. Go in there and teach like that. And after that, I couldn't change it. Nothing changed for me because I had awareness. I couldn't understand why I didn't feel comfortable with my voice fast forward uh years i lived years like this guys uh fast forward years to my first yoga nidra teacher training and um after that it was three weekends i believe uh this i know my last one was three weekends and the first one may have been just two i can't remember anyways i was in deep <laughs> i was in deep and Um, at the end of the weekend, my mother and I, my mom, I love her with all my heart and she does her very best to never hurt me, but we are humans and, um, exploring the evolution of our humanness together. And she had just lost her partner and I was trying to help. And I don't realize how impactful these moments can be for people. And I don't know if we were, really in the best place to do that. But everything is perfect because what this did was free me. We got into an argument and my voice must have come out. I wasn't aware of it. And she said something about my voice being like my dad's. And it just like, it, it was that comment that was able to open the floodgates to my resistance to my voice is that it was going to lead me to be unloved. And I know if Mom, if you're listening, I know you never meant for that me to feel that way, and i I absolutely understand everything, so that let me completely look at my relationship with my voice as something that I didn't feel like was worthy of love. And when I had that realization it it was like. I don't know how to describe it really. And I think it changes for me. But when I think about it, it feels like a million doors unlocking that had kept me away from myself, that had kept me separate from totally loving myself. And when that, I could see that program in me, that I could see that wound in me that kept me away from my voice, that was like... It, it truly was such a beautiful gift. And I couldn't have received that without everything that played the role leading up to it. And so the fact that I'm here today <laughs> on a podcast and even still, as I said, that word podcast in my brain, it's going that like the way you said it was gross. And so I have I still have this relationship with my voice. But I'm able to witness this relationship with my voice. Do I th- know if it will ever be healed? I don't know. I really don't. But I do know that it's getting better and I do know that it's getting easier. I've always had this thing with my voice where it's been the source of my pain and it's been the source of my greatest joys and most connected moments. Nothing can fill my love cup more than you hearing me, giving me space to talk. And so as listeners, I appreciate everyone who listens. And then those of you who reach out to us after, I, I, I know I speak for both me and Tani, we've talked about it, but I, I want you to know that it really does in a way, like we aren't here because we don't have this wound. We probably both absolutely have this wound where we want to be seen, valued and loved. And that connection that we can get from the podcast is next level. And I so appreciate each and every one of you listening. The work that I do is it couldn 't have it couldn 't have gone anywhere without my voice and um, the work that I do right now i couldn 't be doing if it wasn 't for Tanya telling me years and years and years ago now that I could do this. I always thought that I was backstage person I always thought that I was going to be the one who lifted everybody up, and I still absolutely love that that's uh, that 's one hundred percent. Um, most of my makeup is I re- get so much joy in watching people blow their own minds at the stuff they can do. That's, that is That is my purpose, um, part of it anyways. And I couldn't do that if I was still in this breaking point with my voice. But all of the work that I have done and uh, the path that I have taken and the path that you're taking right now All of it is leading you up to your greatest expression of being a human being. And I am just most thankful that um, I have the ability to see myself so that I can be present for this and to say that even this moment right now, as scared as I was to come on here and have an origin story and tell you, and I'm like, I need to make notes. And then I think, no, I just want it to be natural. But all of that is... um, is led me to be here and um, and to be able to see it and to be able to see myself doing this. And if there's anything that I hope my origin story, like a takeaway from my origin story, and I want to go even back further. So I'm only at 16 minutes, and I love to talk, so that's just way too short. <laughs> um, but now I forgot. This is another thing about me that you'll notice a lot is that Tanya really keeps me on track. If I forget something, she'll always loop me back. So we may just end up going all the way back into my uh, beginning of my story because it keeps coming up for me. I wanted, oh, that that's what it is. If, if there's anything that you take away from this is that, it, it, whatever whatever you're doing right now, you think you've took a wrong path, you think you've taken too long, you think that, oh, I shouldn't have made that mistake. All of that is wrong. All of that thinking is the wrong stuff. What is right is exactly what's happening. Everything that's happening right now, everything that all of the time it's taken to be to get here or all of the time that it'll take to get there is all perfect. And um, each moment has served you in a way that is not just... A lesson but it's it's the whole purpose that it, it not the end goal is the thing it's about being here and being able to see yourself doing something that you never thought you'd do or um just being present with the joy that it brings going back to my origin story <laughs> when I first knew that I was weird um I was in grade one and this is the most vivid memory. I'm sure I must've experienced something like it before, but I just don't have a recollection of it like this. But when I was in grade one, that makes you like, I don't know, five or six. And my best friend was beautiful. I was like fangirling hard for her. And she had this really big family. Um, She was the only girl, all brothers. It was amazing family. And I just thought that they went to church and that's something that, Me and my mom have such different stories about this. But, and this is like when, um, when you're, you're a kid or you are the kid of the parent, we have to always question like, what is the truth and what is the reality? Because somewhere it's in between each of our perception. Cause I think I thought my mom pulled me out of church, wouldn't let me go anymore. And my mom's like, no, I don't even remember you going to church like, or whatever. Like she, she, to her, it was a non-issue where inside my head I'd made it a big issue. So those are just some stepping points to be like, hmm, pause there. But uh, anyways, they went to church. I envied that for some reason. Uh, I think because I wanted my own connection to spirituality, or I just saw that it was, maybe I just was fangirling, who knows. But anyways, back to the story. Um, I thought she had this perfect life. I envied it so hard, and I wanted to be her. And then I remember we were sitting, eating lunch, or it was recess. We were on the hill, and... I looked at her and I just think like I wonder so hard what it would be like to be her. And then it was like pew, 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 and I could get all these images and all of these feelings and they just washed over my body and I was like holy no. <laughs> this feels a lot like home. And then I realized like all of what the perfection that I saw on the outside was not what was happening on the inside. She was having her own human experience and it was painful. There was a lot of pain there. And so just like all, all of ours, right, there was, it was no freedom or liberation from my reality to jump into hers. And I was so surprised by that. And I don't know if I really knew what to do about it or if I even cared, but I know that that stands out as a memory to me. And I was like, hmm, that's interesting. And then I went on to, um, hmm, I was very sensitive. I was very, very, very sensitive uh, child. And I think that I was so sensitive I, to the point where I learned that it was hurting me. And then I became hard. And so I became hard and I remember the pain in my mom's eyes. I remember her saying like, why do you have to be this way? And I just didn't know that there was any other way. So if anyone has teenagers out there know that this is likely kind of, you know, same thing happening for them as it did for me, but who knows, you know, we're all different. And I had just been hurt so much that my little brain had said, no more. You hurt them before they hurt you. And so I became very reactive. I became very, um, well, I was always smart and quick-witted. So I had the best burns, (laughs) which isn't something you should be proud of, but I still kind of am uh, because they were so smart. And even though they were mean and evil, but still I was proud of my wit. No one could get me, you know, like those, those people who who were really good at that. I, I made it my mission to be the best at Burns, (laughs) which is pretty lofty. I know. Anyways, I did that for a long time and I did that probably until I had my own child. And I do believe that our children are put here to be our greatest teachers because, Oh, oh, man, have they taught me some lessons and continue to teach me lessons. And even at this I'm going to they're going to be like don't talk about it. But um yeah, there's there our our family, no matter who they are, our relationship with them, they are our greatest teachers that that is where we need to be expanded most at that time in order to serve the greater purpose of what we uh, are becoming or where we are at. And um, once I had my own child, it is like they say that a woman giving birth, it comes into her wisdom hood. And it was like something cracked open in me at the same time as it closed because I don't know, I was never diagnosed with postpartum depression, but even to talk about it right here, I'm fighting back tears. So I think that when we give birth for the first time and that little maiden has a funeral. There is a part of us that just grieves, but we don't know why we're grieving. And I know that my grief there was that I didn't even know who that was. I didn't know who that girl was. She had no clue who she was. But do we, like, is there anyone at that age that does? But to say goodbye to her, that I... You should never see her again. You never do see them again after the birth because you are a different person instantaneously. The moment that child takes its first breath or for some, the moment that they know that they've conceived, there's something different about them that will never ever be the same. And I don't know if I ever fully looked at that. And so at the same time that I was cracking open and um, becoming more empathetic towards others I think I was becoming meaner towards myself or something happened like there was a lightness and there was a darkness and those two were both off the wall (laughs) so I could be really kind and I could be really mean I could be really happy and I could be really angry and I battled with that for ever like ever there I have insurmountable uh, amounts of shame and guilt around who I became and the anger that I hold and held and how I chose to deal with it. And, um, I definitely try to free, um, myself of that and free others of that, but it's just something that, you know, it it kind of becomes your story. It is my story. And, um, yeah so working through that and then um also wanting to explore the forgotten aspect of myself that i had buried for so long that was my intuitive gifts or uh, i like to call them downloads but it feels like always having an advisor like and i know people talk about guides and i don't really get that like that's not my relationship, so i I don't know what this is, but I know that it speaks to me in a language that only I understand, and I know that it only wants the highest good for me that it's never shown me another aspect of itself um so I trust it it's like the the it's probably well it's it's non human right this is it's outside of the emotional. Uh, experiences and preferences that we're either running towards or running away from what it, whatever is guiding me doesn't have that um, it's guiding me from the highest good always it doesn't care if what I have to go through is killer pain in the short term the goal the the experience and the expansion is the goal is the intention I guess And so I really wanted to start exploring that because I knew that I had... I knew that, well, I surprised myself many times with how accurate I was. And I wanted to explore that. And I had gone to um, a, a medium, a psychic medium named Susie Bailey, And she had, uh, Susie, if you ever hear this, know that you did change the course of my life. I had one session with her and she said that the symbolism of Penguin came through as someone who could live in the underworld, but still survive in the upper world. And there's nothing that I've ever resonated more with than even thinking about that now is that My home is the underworld. (laughs) I love the deep uh, depth of things. And I also really can give her in the upper world and and enjoy myself there too. And she said that I had a special gift. Um, I don't remember her exact words, but basically that what I had been feeling about myself was true. And that if I wanted to explore it, she would lend me her book. And I didn't take it that day, which is funny because obviously I was operating on some unconscious belief systems that I shouldn't, right? I shouldn't, it's not safe for me to be here. And then when I went home and I told my husband about it, we were both very young, like we're so young and he was just like, you're not going to tell people about that, are you? And I was like, no, God, no. You know, like we were both on that same, like, what would people think? And it was just like that quick, ooh, uh, what will people think that made me feel again like I was wrong? And I know that that's not the intention or or whatever. But it's just, again, that next reinforcement that somehow, someway your gift is wrong. You were put here wrong. And Uh, So I hid it, I put it away and it's just like more self-hate, more self-hate. And then um, one day I just changed and I said, I can't do this anymore. I need to be freed. And I freed myself in numerous ways that changed the path for me significantly. And I um, then left my marriage and wanted to still be in it but I couldn't make it work. And, you know, there was so much around that that I still don't understand. But um, after that, I didn't, I was no longer afraid. And it was interesting because I used to be really scared of the dark and I used to fear being trespassed and um, the home being broken into. And all kinds of just like I used to have the worst nightmares and it was like that stopped. It was like when I stopped trying to fit into a box that that stuff wasn't there haunting me or like I feel like it was berating me truly. And not to say that that made it easier because I definitely went on to hurt myself a whole lot more to for the pain. And then eventually pain so bad that I couldn't take it anymore. I was like, I'm done with whatever I'm doing here. And I went and enrolled in a yoga teacher training. And this yoga teacher training resulted of me spending like at least four to five days a week on my mat and just you know, if if you have a mat, you know your mat's there to hold you. Because my mat has held me through my dog's death, my cat's death, and um, this tragic breaking up with this broken person that had never fully healed. It was that was the the releasing of that version of myself. Uh, my mat supported me through all of that and um, held me in ways that you wouldn't think a little plastic rectangle could but it did i don't i don't know they're not plastic i don't know what they are but you know and it was just something that was so reliable and that practice was so reliable that i was like i need to bring this to other people i have to bring this <clears throat> sense of liberation and freedom that exists inside of the space where you are told Where to move your body, and without thinking, you just move your body, it it flows. It's like going into another level of intelligence that is beyond your wounding. For me, anyways, that's what I've experienced. And when I took my yoga teacher training, I was actually diagnosed with melanoma during it. And that brought up a whole bunch of stuff around my relationship with my skin, the color of my skin, the whiteness of my skin. I never felt like it was good enough or it was pretty enough. And I always had like this grotesque. I wanted it to be different. I wanted it to uh, be gone. I hated it. Those were the words that I thought about it. And um, for that to manifest physically in me in the form of melanoma was a real wake-up call as to how much self-hate that I had been perpetuating to the point where my body couldn't express it through the mental uh, emotional layer that it tried to get rid of it through the physical layer. And so I had that surgery and it was gone. Um, That was another expansion for me to look at just how I was living my life. Like, why do we feel like we have to hate ourselves to be here? Like each breath has been a, a precious gift. It wasn't by accident that we were given it. And to it's almost like I felt like I was letting myself off, off the hook if I didn't loathe, hate, uh, feel guilt or shame about myself. And this was the the eye opener when I felt like I wanted to unzip my body and crawl out because it felt it made me feel like I was trapped, like I had done this but I didn't know how to escape it. And then the the uh, the way out made itself clear. It was love. <laughs> the The one thing that I had been craving and wanting and rejecting and and refusing my whole life it was love. My body needed to feel loved and when i started looking at um my practice or my life through the eyes of the practice i had a lot more worth and the people that i surrounded myself with had a lot more depth and integrity and um were safer for me to be around That gave me a platform to be able to really express myself through my teaching. And in each way that I taught, I was expressing myself. Every class that I taught was an expression of me. I had so many connections with people. And it was the strangest thing because as a yoga teacher, I do believe that we develop this intense weird bond with your um devoted students but then you know nothing about them but you feel like you know everything about them like who they really are no roles no identities like just the bare like raw them and then outside of that they have this these families and friends and life and things that you don't know about like so when a student would come for years, and then you wouldn't see them, you would often like you you would definitely wonder what happened to them. But then you'd also in the same sense feel like you had like there you shouldn't know, like, it's it, it's the weirdest thing. We really see the raw insights of each other. And it's like the outsides don't exist. It's It's the strangest thing. But anyways, I really wanted to to get to know these students on a deeper level and through multiple um, encouragements and uh, preparations by Tanya, <laughs> the um, we started a teacher training. And that one teacher training, although it didn't land and uh, it wasn't meant to go because insurers do not like aerial yoga, the insurance went through the roof. So no teachers want to teach it anymore. If you like aerial yoga and it's missing, you can thank insurance companies. But we started that one yoga teacher training. And after that, it became kind of like the springboard to me then basically only doing trainings. That's where I am right now. I am currently uh, also Tanya Motivated teaching, uh, Reiki all the way. I call it there and back. Cause you start there as a student and you come all the way back as teacher. And I teach all the way from level one student through to master teacher. I teach teachers to teach. And there is nothing that fills my cup more than knowing that I am teaching them and picturing them teaching others that I like that I am, a. I I feel like that is why I'm a teacher at heart is because that is really the whole goal is every time I teach one person, I imagine how it it echoes out to others. I, I always think about it as like, so I get to touch this many people. Well, they get to touch that many people in their life. And then you think about how this practice that essentially, if you look at it, let me fully love myself open the door because Reiki was in there. That was, I I, I breezed over this, but um, in my great freedom, I then pursued Reiki right after I went and got my level one, two, three, four and didn't teach. I got that in 2012 and didn't teach till, I didn't teach the masters until I believe 2022. I think this is my first year. I don't follow times well, so this is not the not the greatest storyteller of all time, but... Um, so I teach now Reiki and I also teach, uh, yoga nidra and yoga nidra is a practice, but also an exploration of consciousness. And through that exploration of consciousness is where I really found this ability for me to be able to see me right now and be proud of me as I sit here and tell you my origin story about the spiritual boss podcast. I think I'm going to close it off there. I feel like, um, I need to take a few more breaths than I take. Cause I worry that I'll lose you if I take too long. Um, but yeah, I'm going to close it off there. I'd love to hear back from you. If you guys relate in any way, or if you see yourself in, in my story, or if you have been a student of mine and, um, now see how much of an important part of my journey you are. I'd love to connect with you in whatever way possible. Thank you so much for joining me on the Spiritual Boss Podcast. Peace in, peace out.